Hey, it's Leave and the Lit Dude welcoming you to the inaugural episode of Dragon Song, the one and the only podcast exclusively for fans of Breath of Fire around the world. We're your hosts, I'm Jordan. And I'm Livnant. And today's episode is called Into the Fire because we're going to be talking about why Breath of Fire is so special and why we think it deserves to be revived. Okay, so just to introduce ourselves, I'm Jordan and I run a YouTube channel called Ancient Literature Dude. I once ran a YouTube channel called Bragateer on which I did video game music covers, among which were a number of Breath of Fire covers. And I actually met Livnot through Breath of Fire on a little website that you might know called Dragonteer that is unfortunately down now, but was once a very thriving center for fandom of, of Breath of Fire. It was a forum and it had artwork and all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, I I, I was uh, I started off like as a member and soon was a moderator and soon a global moderator. Uh, we did a lot of stuff over there, basically gathering all the community into one spot. Uh, unfortunately, right now we cannot revive the site. <laughs> the the domain name is apparently being held hostage <laughs> by a ridiculous sum of money. So there it's might like Gobi be... has gotten his hands on it, you know. <laughs> so just so you all know, but the fire fans, there's real life villainy in the world. Somebody in in Aria has has gotten their villainous hands on it, and yeah, they're holding it hostage for for you know an, an insane sum of money. Yeah. Uh, so about five or six years ago, I tried uh, to revive the site. Um, right now, because a lot of reason, um, many of them has to do with uh, minimal participation and um, fewer post rating. I believe that nowadays uh, forums are basically more or less are not the same medium they used to be to bring community together. Uh, especially not in a day where everything is so instant and and uh, no, I think that the internet has become a much more fast-paced place. And the good news is that there is now a relatively popular Breath of Fire Discord, and we're going to provide links to that in the description for the podcast. And hope that you'll you'll go and check it out if you haven't already. Uh, it's got a pretty good number of members, and it's growing. And it's a pretty good way to kind of, uh, you know, check up on what's going on in the in the fandom and with general Breath of Fire news. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. You can find it by going to Facebook and typing uh, with desire Breath of Fire and reach our page. We also have a Discord group um, if you want to stay in touch with a lot of familiar names and face. You can definitely find us there. Um basically a little about ourselves i'm a huge breath of fire fan it was my first rpg i i ran into this game particularly by mistake uh in my country israel uh we don't have the same gaming culture as you most of you probably are familiar with um a lot of our games we kind of had to do a lot of shetties uh ways to get our hands on him um I ended up playing this game on emulator. Um, I didn't know what uh, an RPG was um, until I played Breath of Fire. I keep saying, like, I keep uh, telling the story about, like, me, first of all, um, starting this game. I didn't know you should save the game. I didn't know you needed to switch equipment. 
I basically didn't know what to read. I, I, I couldn't even like understand most of the text. Um, that probably made the frog boss pretty difficult, yeah. right? Like the very first boss of the game. In fact, I remember killing the frog boss at least three times. Um, and then I said, okay, this is enough. I, I don't want to advance like in this game. There's no way I'm going to finish it in one go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, back in the days uh, of uh, the old uh, internet access, which is still kind of like that in some part of the world, like, you know, when you're trying to download a Britney Spears song and if your mom got a call, like, there's no song, at least you get her to re-download it again. So, in this age... The, the uh, <laughs> Right, the, the uh, dial-up yeah. days, for those of us too young to remember that. Yeah, with weird noises from hell. <laughs> anyway, um, I decided to explore a little bit about this site. Um, I, I think... About a year later, I ran into uh, a Dragon Tear. Um, I understood like this game has a sequel. I really like the concept of the game. Um, I searched for picture and then I found a girl with wings. By the way, I was sure that Ryu was a woman. Uh, that's one of the reasons I really like to play this game. And then I was like, oh, cool. Like There's a girl with wings. I, I definitely want to check this series too. To anyone who doesn't know me, I'm a huge fan of everything that has to do with mythological uh, stories and a lot of uh, Bible stories. So if you actually want to get my interest on something, it has to have demons and angels in them. Um, and Breath of Fire definitely has demons and angels. Yeah. Two especially. Yeah, yeah. Is a, yeah, it's a it served as a real starting point for a lot of fans of the series because it, it has such a striking... And, and and very in your face, you know, religious theme exactly, and a religious storyline. So yeah, it's a it's I think it's very remarkable in the history of JRPGs. Uh, so eventually, like I realized, you need to save the game. <laughs> eventually, I reached level forties without even like realizing you need to change equipment. I was OP. <laughs> I beat the game like really fast. Uh, there was one point where I realized I needed to do certain things that I didn't, which made my character even be uh, more OP because I level up to gain money for a certain area in the game. Whoever doesn't know, now is the time because the game is now available on Switch. Um, from here to there, I realized that I really love the story. I really love uh, the character. I love the world. I love the game. Uh, but I definitely fell in love with the series. Um, starting the second game even though the first will always have a special place in my heart uh, I, I know many people mentioned that the first didn't age well uh, I still think it was one of the strongest uh, JRPG I ever played uh, it opened up my appetite for uh, playing games um, it certainly helped me to improve my English I, I, I wanted to learn English because I wanted to be part of the uh, Breath of Fire community um, I think Casey, the creator of uh, Dragon Tear, still makes fun of me about uh, the fact that they didn't know how to spell Angel <laughs> very well. Uh, but this is all a well, story. Well, I think this is, this is a really, really uh, fascinating yeah. point that uh, Breath of Fire, and not, not, of course, just Breath of Fire, but JRPGs in general serve as a, a beginning point for so many people wanting to learn English because... Uh, it's such a compelling thing to follow along with these stories. And, you know, let's face it, Japanese is very prohibitive. It, it's very difficult to pick up on the kanji and, you know, written Japanese. 
And English has become such a universal language for gaming that gaming itself, especially JRPGs, have become kind of a bridge to, to English for many people. Mm -hmm. And I find that amazing that, that Breath of Fire was kind of the impetus for you to pick up the language. Personally, uh, unlike you, I didn't start with the first game. I actually started with two, as you know. Uh, I was in junior high, and a friend of mine recommended it to me. Uh, his mom worked at the local video store, and he had rented it and checked it out and just told me it was really phenomenal. And it was the first game that I had ever played with that kind of a standard anime art style. And I, I was not an anime fan or a manga fan. You have to remember this is sort of the, the mid-90s. And I wasn't really familiar with those mediums, but I fell in love with the art style of Breath of Fire. So I was coming to it as a, a kind of a new fan to this general art style, and I found it really compelling and very bright and very beautiful, sort of distinguished from other JRPGs at the time like Final Fantasy, which were a little bit darker and more muted in tone by this point, especially with six. And so uh, I rented the game as, you know, a kind of a young kid and just immediately fell in love with it. I only later came back to one. And, uh, you know, you and I have somewhat different views about the way that one stands in opposition to two That's right. uh, in terms of, of, right, in terms of, you know, how ultimately uh, well they've aged, you know, now. But uh, I, I think we can both agree that they're very good games in their own right and yes. that they, they began this wonderful series that we, you know, we, we have come to love so much. Um, yeah, I think the only issue or problem I have with it, it, it felt like Breath of Fire 1 definitely had uh, something of a world building to it, which was, in my opinion, got abandoned. Uh, I still remember there was certain timelines and the whole stories of of the key and the goddess, which I think was kind of pushed under the rug, um, being forgotten or being completely wrecked on or changed, uh, which is kind of sad. Um, I never understood, uh, for example, how they took uh, uh, Miria slash Tyr, who was definitely the embodiment of evil, and trying to still work with it in Breath of Fire 3 into something uh, more benevolent goddess, but still a uh, very selfish or very um, self-righteous kind of goddess. Um, so I, I, they, they also change a lot of concept. Uh, they used to be a lot more racist in the first game. Uh, there used to be uh, some ideas with more uh, mechanical robots, which I think they tried to remake them for uh, free and definitely with four. Um, but a lot of these ideas, I guess, got scrapped away to change uh, the fairies or the warren that kind of makes an appearance for from the second game. Um, right, right. Uh, which completely disappeared from the first game. Uh, Karen or Dunk, um, character of uh, a shaman race uh, that was completely uh, rechanged, remade. Uh, I would say it probably because of a lot of... Uh, issue regarding uh, the race of this character but we will get to it probably at some other podcast um, right Karn, Karn is very fascinating yeah. but I want to get back to uh, this issue of the characterization the kind of shifting characterization of Tyr slash Miria from, from one and, and she's mentioned in two and then reappears in a larger role in three this this depiction of, of uh, Tyr slash Miria as, as at first 
a more malevolent, and then as you say, a more benevolent goddess figure, I find very fascinating because to me, it offers a more nuanced view of divinity and of gods than most JRPGs tend to. It, it, there's this, this fascinating trend in JRPGs to depict God or gods in very negative terms, and Breath of Fire started to turn that around by the third game in the series, and then continuing in the fourth game, you have Miria and, and Fa'alu as these these gods who are somewhat justifiable. They they have, you know, real uh, justifications and they have complexity as characters and they're somewhat empathetic, especially Fa'alu. You know, we, we start to continue with that trend a bit more and I, I think that most players find Fa'alu very sympathetic and, and understandable as as you know, enraged and homicidal as he is, there's a reason for it. We see why he's come to be this way. Uh, I, and to me, it always felt like Breath of Fire tried to deal with the idea of divinity in the sense of like uh, they are gods, but they are still humans for their own races. What I'm trying to mean, like they are not above their emotion. Uh, they're not about uh, their ideology. They're very uh, pantheon type of. Uh, of characters they're, they're just like the olympic god they're not like the traditional uh christianity or judaism type of almighty god uh there's something very different very uh, something that's very easy to connect with uh in in, in, I in, agree. in the games we even see that we can destroy them even though they are uh gods that kind of put the whole meaning of of god into a question uh, but I, I, I also see from other Capcom games, this is a very uh, thematical um, subject to them. They, the idea of God is not uh, the God that we want to believe. It's more like a, a force. It's more like a something or a being that has a certain amount of power. Um, so, I do think yeah. that, that Breath of Fire's depiction of gods is, as you say, more primal, more, in my mind, more in line with the depiction of the Norse gods who are very human. They're very relatable. Uh, they have very distinct personalities and they're not so distant, as you say, as to the Judeo-Christian God or, uh, you know, the Abrahamic God. So I would like to take uh, a moment um, uh, to say that I'm very happy um, to announce that um, Breath of Fire 1 and 2 are now available on the Switch uh, port. And what it means a lot for us as, as fans because uh, it's another channel for anyone new who was not familiar with the series to connect with it. Uh, the series had uh, five uh, successful uh, games with a very uh, poor attempt um, from Capcom's side uh, to try to revive the series with uh, Breath of Fire uh, 6. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, we not. We don't. We don't talk about Breath of Fire Six in this. You know, Breath of Fire Six is is a mythical future game that that may or may not ever arrive, but it it, it has not happened yet. We, it's 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 not a real thing that that we accept as as a reality. Okay. Breath of Fire Six uh, was supposed to be a new uh, direction for the series. Um, yeah, it was a new direction, as, all right. Yeah, as far as the people at Capcom uh, thought that like uh, uh, this series could be more successful on the mobile, um, kind of remind me the whole fiasco of uh, don't you guys have fun with uh, the Diablo Immortal? Uh, basically, what they tried to do was uh, release uh, episodes 
whoever doesn't play a mobile game um, is not very familiar with this type of uh, progression. Uh, I think it was uh, I think it was a very uh, a very bad way to revive the series. Uh, I, I think I think the, the the attempt was good. I just think they they really they really completely uh, ruined it. Um, uh, the series was disconnected uh, not too long ago. Um, not all the plot was revolved. Apparently, it did absorb some uh, of its plot sources from Breath of Fire 1 and maybe Breath of Fire 2 and 4. Um, the artwork was not bad, but if Breath of Fire 5 took a completely different direction in art style, then Breath of Fire 6 was a completely new uh, way to look at the series, which didn't uh, fell well with the other uh, fans, me included. Yeah, it was it was mostly received as a kind of a poor attempt at at segueing into the the mobile game world, and it just it apparently didn't really stand on its own legs in Japan. It was never ported to the West, for better or worse. But uh, I do want to take a moment and um, and say that uh, now that the game are on Switch, it will be more accessible to probably newer audience. Uh, at my workplace, I work uh, in a community center. Uh, I have a few children there that have the Switch. Uh, probably none of them ever played uh, the SNES um, or ever was familiar with the series. And now they they did hear about it and they did uh, download uh, the game and they did play it. I know a lot of uh, my friends are now uh, considering because uh, the Switch is an easier port. Uh, even though I, I I don't like the system personally because of uh, petty uh, reasons, I'm really happy that like uh, Capcom did uh, brought the game into the Switch. Uh, my only issue is uh, I wish they they did enable us to get uh, uh, the Game Boy Advance version with it but uh, that's an issue for another time um no i'm very excited risk, that the games yes. were ported to switch because uh, as you said i have friends now and, and you know friends my age who grew up with an snes but just never had a chance to check out the series because let's face it breath of fire was not very well known even in its own time i mean uh it took me forever to track down a copy of the game at blockbuster you know in order for me to own it and uh, the game now has a kind of a cult following, which is which is really amazing that the series has been essentially defunct for so long and there's still this very passionate fan base for the game. And Capcom is, is still doing ports. They're, they're still releasing art books. And uh, I've seen it on Twitter that every time a new port is announced, every time that a new port arrives, as on the Switch... We Desire Breath of Fire, you know, uh, starts popping up again. And uh, I see a pretty good number of people checking out the game. And, and even the first game, which may not be the most popular game in the series, seemed to be received pretty well on Twitter. I saw nothing but, but positive uh, feedback about it from, from new players who were going back and checking it out for the first time. I see a lot of cool artwork, uh, uh, which is amazing. Like my, my Twitter feed and especially my Facebook page, and other media sources are filled with a lot of artworks, uh, which also mean that uh, this game has uh, uh, regained some attention. 
uh, some deserving attention. I, I would even extend and say that uh, the, our community is not just interested in the only in the game. Uh, not long ago, we had a few T-shirts being made. Uh, for example, the recent uh, Destiny Child T-shirt by Fangamer, um, which uh, we 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 kind of try and uh, collect every merchandise, be it uh, original soundtrack, being uh, the game music actually available on Spotify and other sources. Uh, me, myself, as an artist, I really enjoy uh, drawing um, the characters. I, I really enjoy seeing a lot of artwork. I'm trying to promote it as much as possible. Uh, I, I, I don't know if we, we will get to cover it, but in fact, in Discord, we are now trying to do some kind of... Uh, a Santa and an elf type of game where we draw or create something for uh, the community in Discord as gifts for Christmas. So all in all, uh, I feel like uh, the series may be starting to get some spike. Uh, but it's definitely not enough. Um, that's why we're trying to promote this uh, podcast, uh, to call attention and to tell people that if, you, uh, if you've been a fan for so long like we did, or if you're new to the series, or even if you find this remotely uh, interesting, now it's the time uh, to reach out as much as possible uh, to Capcom and other channels that could help us promote the series and tell uh, tell the guys up there that even though we already have Resident Evil 2 and 3 and a lot of uh, uh, cameo appearing in uh, Street Fighter, uh, for example, cat outfit in uh, for Falke in uh, Street Fighter Five. It's definitely not enough. We definitely want more attention yes. to this series. The very simplest um, thing you can do is hashtag We Desire Breath of Fire. Just get that out there. You know, use it as much as possible. Let Capcom see that there are still fans of the series. And you know, one of the biggest issues I think is that evidently JRPGs sort of struggle in today's market. Uh, unless you're you're a massive remake, uh, you know, or a a kind of a a re-release like like FF7 or, or eight now recently on the Switch, it's very hard for a new game, even in an existing franchise, to 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 make a you know an impact and sell well. But I, I see yeah, enough I interest mean, in the series that I think it may be warranted. I mean, the the the, the Mana series just got the whole completely remake and uh, repainting. Um, uh, uh, the third game in the Mana series, uh, Trial of Mana, just going to be remade, which is exciting. But it's very exciting. I'm, me, I'm excited about it. Uh, yeah, but part of me of asking, like Capcom, what about us? Uh, we have yes. been loyal fan of your JRPG. Uh, and we know, like of, you said, we know that that remakes and re-releases are working right now, and and the ports we, alone we did, we did have done try, pretty well. Uh, yeah, what, what I'm trying to say that like we we as a customer we would definitely buy and promote, and we tried not long ago to promote uh, Breath of Fire Four being uh, uh, shifted to either GOG or Steam or other. Yes, media. we need we, we need we Breath of Fire Four on other platforms for sure. Uh, I don't know whether Especially it's possible or not, but I would had, love uh, to see breath of fire three and four maybe on switch like i said i don't know how likely it is since they were you know uh sony originally they were playstation yeah. exclusives originally but, uh, yeah but breath of fire 4 did add a pc version right uh, that's why i'm saying it's even easier just just get it just do it um okay uh so we hey do want so, to... 
So yes. hey, Liv Knott, I'd like to shift gears here for a minute and talk about one of the, the principal themes of this podcast, which is just what exactly makes Breath of Fire so special. And yeah, along those lines, I want to to uh, take a moment and, and, and remind fans of exactly what this series is about. Uh, if you look at Breath of Fire, many people from the outside may see a series that has some of the standard features of JRPGs. They see turn-based combat. They yes. see typical fantasy fare like like dragons and, and, uh -huh. and knights and things like this. But how many games allow you to become the dragon? How many games allow you to and and develop this uh wider mythology of a dragon clan and a dragon family uh and i th and i think this gets at uh what makes ryu fascinating as a point of view character because how many games how many jrpgs specifically really allow you to become that mythical beast that that we all you know think is so fascinating right that we're so mesmerized by Yes. Uh, it, it's um, it's a simple I, concept, but I think that Breath of Fire uh, does it very uniquely. I I think that first of all, at least with the first game, they definitely tried to break tradition. Uh, I mean, up until now, it was uh, the knight saving the princess from the dragon, and now it's the dragon saving the princess from the knight. That's so, right. <laughs> so this is type of uh, interesting. Um, they also. Um, really enjoy taking a theme from a lot of uh, myths and legend and twisted them um we we will get to a specific topic about it very soon especially about breath of fire 2 and the connection to the dark trinity as we like to call it uh but uh, definitely breath of fire is very special because i, I don't think it's a typical jrpg first of all i think uh, this game says little but it's enough to get the idea across without boring uh, uh, the players. Um, the text is very minimal, um, but it doesn't need that excessive dialogue, aka um, um, Final Fantasy, uh, to everyone listening. Yeah, By the Final way, Final Fantasy uh, is not uh, my favorite series at all. I, I, I really don't enjoy the series. I think one of the problems is that I feel like it's very excessive. Ex too much information, too much story, too much dialogue. I feel like the the points are lost in into it, and I feel Breath of Fire try to really get you emotional without saying a lot. Uh, I I I feel like uh, in terms of dialogue, uh, the game just nail it with the right amount of text and feeling. Well, uh, this is something that, that uh, I talked to uh, the Well-Read Mage about recently on, on his podcast, on Magecast, when we spoke about the, the original Final Fantasy on episode 34, Sakaguchi's Last Stand, which, you know, check out, by the way. Uh, I think that there's, there's a, a very fine line uh, that RPGs in general and, and JRPGs in particular have to thread uh, in terms of uh, how much dialogue is too much. They want to convey the story, but they don't want to over-convey it, right? They don't want to over-dramatize it. They don't want to extend into melodrama. And I tend to think now that, especially in recent years, uh, RPGs have become too cinematic. Games in general have become too cinematic. Uh, they're, they're trying too hard to both uh, tell 
without showing and also just sheerly showing too much again in terms of these kind of cinematic qualities that the games have have developed and i know that there are players of the early breath of fire games that don't care for the relative brevity of the dialogue but uh, i think that that as in the case of of many early jrpgs uh, there's something to be said for allowing the player and and even forcing the player to read between the lines uh I do find that in going back and looking at the original Breath of Fire, the the history of the light and dark dragon clans is very fascinating, and it's kind of intriguing to to try to figure out uh, exactly where some of the characters were coming from because I think that we're told just enough to to find them uh, empathetic, we're told enough to find them fascinating, but we're not bogged down with a bunch of backstory. We're not. We're not weighed down so much that the the game can't progress, you know, if, in terms of its uh, if, for gameplay's sake, uh, so that the actual gameplay is affected. I, I feel like uh, uh, one of the issues for that is probably the uh, the the problem with translation back in the days. But it definitely, um, if I can bring back an older game that remind me that I, I think of Fantasy Star Two, uh, where uh, the character just appear uh, in a sequence. To help uh, Rudo to fight the game, and they just appear constantly. And even though there's a few background about them, there's not too much, but you still get very emotional and connected to them. Uh, however, uh, they definitely switch it up a little bit on Breath of Fire too. Uh, they nail it completely uh, with the feeling and the idea. Just enough information to help you build, but at the same time, enough space for you to create in your head exactly what's going on which is great and i think that's that's, why breath of fire and fantasy star both have been so popular uh with with fan fiction communities i've seen fan fiction and and fan comic books and things of that nature developed around breath of fire and fantasy star and uh i think that's why they remain so compelling okay so another thing that i think makes breath of fire so unique is that uh it tackles much deeper themes than other jrpgs I think it, it arguably uh, has a deeper and more nuanced overall story. And let me give you an example of that. Uh, the The first game introduces th- this discussion about, about gods with, with Tyr, right? Well, that was only the first game. They're, they're sort of you know developing their whole mythology. By the time you get to Breath of Fire 2, we had, just in the intro, uh, a... a depiction of of god or in this case a false god that was so profoundly disturbing that fans still remember the, the the sheer imagery of it to this day i mean the 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 intro itself has become sort of legendary and so breath of fire 2 as a whole becomes this very remarkable sort of video game form of uh a philosophical answer to pascal's wager this idea that, hey, uh, if you believe in a benevolent God, you can only benefit from it, right? Because if your belief is proven to be correct and there is a good God, you'll be rewarded for it. And if there isn't, well, heck, you know, you'll you'll just die and, and fade into nothingness anyway, and, and there's there's no problem. But Breath of Fire points out, Breath of Fire 2 points out a very real uh, refutation there, a, a very real problem with this dichotomy. It's a false dichotomy. The, the a, a good God, a benevolent God, 
is not the only conceivable type of, of deity that could exist. And it's very easy for religion and even for faith to become distorted and perverted. And uh, throughout the series, as the series continues, we have a continually evolving view of divinity with, with a more uh, sympathetic Miria in 3 and an even more sympathetic Falu in 4. Uh, on to, of course, the more depressing uh, kind of final boss in, in five. Uh, but what do you think, Livnot? How how do you think Breath of Fire differs from other JRPGs in, in handling very, very serious topics and themes? Um, I think the first thing I noticed that it doesn't try to just uh, create creature by the names like uh, oh Ashtaroth let's let's take it let's take it and make a demon called Ashtaroth no they they have a genuine understanding of the religious they try to make parody of uh, it's very subtle it's very small they they actually read the materials they actually try to talk about uh, philosophical questions about what is God, what's the meaning of my creation, can I fight against destiny, uh, which is not unlike a lot of JRPG, but with, with Gratify it feels like it deals with a lot more Western uh, culture than the Eastern culture, and it tried to actually understand them. It tried to be part of them. And it deals with them more directly. I, I think that's a very good point because it, what I was thinking was that it, it deals with them more personally, right? Because with Ryu as a point of view character and, and with characters like, like Bo in 2 and, and Rei and Tipo in 3 who are so directly affected by these divinities and their agents, uh, I think it's a more personal confrontation with, with faith and with some of these, these darker topics. But you make a really good point in that it's a much more realistic one. It's more direct because series like Final Fantasy and and the Xeno series deal with with the the issues of of religion and faith in a much more indirect way. Uh, they they don't usually uh, challenge real faith systems. They have kind of proxies. They they invent gods and. Uh, and have a very fictional worlds and, 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 and very obviously fictionalized uh, depictions of faith. But especially with Breath of Fire 2, we have what is very clearly the, the Roman Catholic Church uh, being criticized and being scrutinized. And uh, that decision was very gutsy on Capcom's part. And I think it makes the game very unique because we're not dealing with some kind of imaginary deity we're not dealing with an imaginary church it, it feels very real and this this juxtaposition of a a kind of a false western god uh in this case you know a, a very malevolent figure in, in death evans with with the traditional dragon god who is more analogous to shinto gods you know sort of traditional nature gods uh we we very clearly see uh, people suffering. We see the the characters in this world suffering under the effects of this misuse of faith, and to me that feels much more powerful than the depictions in Final Fantasy and the Xeno series, which are much more remote. Uh, like like in Xenoblade, we have a a false god in, in a very complex story who's depicted in a very complex way, but the application of of this this idea of the god of this divinity 
is so remote that the world is so remote from our world that we can only appreciate it as a kind of a distant story. We can't relate to it in terms of any kind of a faith experience that we have actually had. I thought for one part they did something very uh, cool, uh, very clo- and closer, uh, because uh, I don't know if anyone remember, uh, when you start Breath of Fire 1, you actually wake up from a dream as well. Just instead you have actually Benevolent God... Um, which is later in Breath of Fire 3 named London. Uh, I don't think... Uh, Landon. I don't think it's the same one. I mean, you could assume it's the same one. And this god encouraged you to go out and fight. And, and you see it. It's very... It's very Eastern type of uh, culture. Very uh, Hinduism type of uh, religious. Uh, it pushes you to go behind and fight. And... Uh, ironically, the second game starts with a voice encouraging you to wake up and and worship God in just the same manner. Just it's it's not the God. And uh, throughout Breath of Fire Two, like there's small statues of uh, the Force God from Breath of Fire One. They did it beautifully, and they did it with a, a core understanding of the idea of how to, how to better create better villains. Uh, if they tried to... Uh, Breath of yeah, Fire it, is, in my mind, a, a series of real subversion. They, they know how to take a trope or an idea and turn it on its head and say, you know, make you say, oh my God, you know, wow, uh, you know, what is this? I mean, I think that we were all floored by uh, the the appearance of Barubri in the beginning of 2. And I think that uh, many people were shocked at uh, some of the, the uh, you know, events of Breath of Fire 4. In, in their sheer cruelty uh, in, in what is done to Faolu and his reaction to the humans who do these things to him and in the very foul, you know, experiments of, of yeah, the, the high minister. always try to shift uh, away uh, the demonic aspect. I mean, if, if in the first game it was a, uh, one side trying to take over the world, in the second game it's a god, in the third game... Uh, it's definitely everything in the fourth game. It's the humans they they try to protect. So all in all, it's very, it's very powerful. Uh, we we would definitely expand on this issue in the future um, podcast. But it's just one of the ideas that uh, that we tried to talk about even briefly to just explain why we love this series so much in terms of uh, <clears throat> I think it's very important uh, to mention that both me and you Jordan are very interested in uh, stories we we love uh, we love culture we love uh, mythology uh, we are very into legend and myths and, 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 and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, lores from areas around the world. So the idea that this uh, serious uh, pain and homage, but do it beautifully by, by saying we want to understand the subject and not just take something and incorporate it into the world. We actually want to build something that could be made from this world that will fit to explain phenomena that happen in our current real world. That's a beautiful way to look at things. Right. So, and this segues into something that I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, a little bit more fully, which is Breath of Fire's incorporation of, of various world mythologies, of the mythologies of Japan and China, and occasionally touches even of the Middle East, and certainly more Western mythological ideas, that 
unlike again Final Fantasy, because that's that's sort of the 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 main contention, right? It's it's the primary uh, rival when it comes to JRPGs. It's it's the the Mac Daddy of them all because Final Fantasy has obviously had the most success and resonated the most with fans. The comparisons are inevitable. Unlike in Final Fantasy, which borrows, as you said earlier, names Figures. and 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 concepts from mythology, but but incorporates them and, and weaves them into an obviously fantasy world that that really has no bearing on our own world. Breath of Fire takes these ideas and and of course creates its own world, but creates one that that is is very analogous to our own in many ways. The 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 church of breath of fire 2 the the empire of breath of fire 4 that is obviously analogous to the historical uh, empire of china uh breath of fire i think more coherently draws on these ideas and presents them in a familiar form uh so that it, it can treat the subject matter more directly uh definitely and um it just build a beautiful world that we can uh enjoy I keep telling you that the only JRPG that made me feel the same way was uh, the game that I'm. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name in Japanese. I'm just going to directly say how it's supposed to be in English. Uh, Treasure of the Rodra. Uh, we tried to do something that made me feel completely the same way as the first and second game made me feel, and it also not trying to force uh, the plot. But we will probably explain more about it so another thing that i think makes the series really unique is its characters uh for my money breath of fire has the single best characters of, of any jrpg series on the planet and Agreed. i say that as a huge final fantasy fan uh I, there are very few characters from the series that i don't love or at least find very memorable and i find this very fascinating because one of the things that I think makes them unique, aside from the fact that they're they're obviously anthropomorphic, they're sort of animal people, is that despite this you know uh, animal theme, the characters are very real. They unlike again the characters in Final Fantasy who are struggling with these very kind of uh, nebulous universal concerns about crystals and these you know uh, villainous empires and things like this. The characters in Breath of Fire are typically dealing with real problems. They're 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 poor. They're they're facing uh, being orphaned. In the case of of Ryu too, right? Uh, they they don't have enough food to eat. Uh, you know, Ryu and Tipo and Ray and three are, you know, very seriously struggling to to put food on the table, and uh, and then you have characters like like Ox rent. from the first game, <laughs> right? They, they're having trouble paying rent. They're they're being carted around in garbage cans because they're being accused of of theft. You know, and things like this, and it. And it's it's comical, which is another great thing about the series we're going to talk about in a minute, is just the sheer humor of it. But some of these things are, are very farcical and, and, you know, over the top, but they still feel very real, I think, in a way that that the Mana series and, and Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger do not. Uh, they and, and it strikes a really unique balance because Breath of Fire can be very lofty and and deal with some very lofty themes, but it it brings it down to 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 earth with real humor and and earthiness. It it feels real despite all of the the bigger themes. I I do want to mention that I think it's a general Capcom thing. Uh, I think that Capcom has a great way to write characters, especially character from around the world, 
they feel real they feel their own uh, their own being like uh, they're developing and and be known and uh, as you mentioned previously about Ryu and uh, Bo handling uh, troubles I think that every character from any game has dealt with a lot of subject being uh, cat uh, dealing with the idea that she doesn't really understand who she is. Uh, she never saw another of her creature. Or um, uh, Nina had, from Breath of Fire 1, had to deal with the fact that her father was sick and she knew like she, the whole kingdom is like lying on her shoulder. And you have Bo that is caught, uh, a Bo from Breath of Fire 1 that is caught in the middle of uh, two racist um, semi-truce where like one city tried to destroy the other because they don't understand each other um, the other think that they are a monster and a lot of uh, re- very lovable even enemies for example Coral or Carla from Breath of Fire 1 who's uh, a monster girl and can find her own place and that's why she turned like to the Empire so even though they are um, creatures that don't resemble us, I always feel like uh, Breath of Fire, um, different races, in a sense, can just sit very nicely in any futuristic type of games where you deal with a lot yes, of space it, race uh, and alien, but they still on, on feel things real. Like, like tribalism and, and cultural identity in, in a very unique and, and very relatable way. You know, it, and, and it's a fun... Uh, fascinating way to do it. Um, and I also agree with your point about how Capcom tends to feel more global because you go back to, you know, Street Fighter 2, right? The the world warriors exactly. were from all across the world. Exactly. Uh, and that was something that fighting games at the time weren't really doing. And, so, and yeah, not just uh, that. I mean, other series like Power Stone, uh, they nail it pretty good. Um, I, I feel like Capcom knows how to write character that has different identity and different races uh, and even different genders. So um, I think, I think first of all, I really want to mention that like it's very good that it's been written by people like Capcom. Um, now, um, even though uh, there are humans in Breath of Fire uh, series, uh, they're still debatable um, because they still seem to have some kind of uh, lingering traces. Uh, my issue is that um, Capcom really didn't know what to do with it. Like, what exactly going on? Are there humans or creatures that appear to be less having amorphic animalist type of thing? So it's very confusing, but aside of that... Uh, they still feel real. Uh, they still feel part of the culture. They still feel exactly like elves or drove or other creatures from, I don't know, Star Trek or Wars universe be in an alien like correspond. So it works and it works great because they are not just dead for being, for the sake of being a character. Like I, I, I still feel like in Final Fantasy, for example, they create in a, uh, uh, a creature for the sake of creating creature, bunny woman or or um, uh, cat humans just for the sake of it, or even uh, even Fire Emblem does it, but with Breath of Fire it feels like it's part of the world. 
just that they just look it different. does it does feel more like it springs naturally from yeah. the nature of this world and this mythology that they've created because for one thing that's another thing that that sort of sets apart but the fire especially from final fantasy is that the games are more or less interconnected there's there's not a, a very strong sense of of continuation between games specifically but there's a very strong sense that they're all connected in the same world and that's kind of unique but I want to I want to touch again going back to this idea of the you know the 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 humor of Breath of Fire. I, I want to touch on this yes yeah, the kind of final note about what makes the series you know so so distinct in the the JRPG niche, and and that's the the, the sheer comedy of it right. And because again you know uh, in, in my experience there's no RPG series out there as funny as Breath of Fire. I've never laughed out loud. You know, with any other series, RPG or otherwise, and I think gaming, it's mostly because uh, they don't try to crack jokes. You don't have characters that just stand there and doing stand-up comedy or doing some kind of talk show. It just happened naturally, like a scene in life. You know, like something that you will expect to see in talk show. Uh, it's very natural, and that's why it's laughing. It's it, laughable. I mean, um, for example. Uh, uh, the fact that you have uh, Rand's mom coming out of nowhere and hit her son with a stick. I mean, I, I could definitely this, see my this mother This humanoid appearing woman is yeah. coming out of nowhere and, and beating this giant armadillo man, this this very muscular, you know, Hulk-like armadillo man over the head with a frying pan, and he's terrified of her, right? Because we we can all relate to that because, you know, no matter how big you are, you could be, you know, six foot seven or whatever, and this big hulking dude, and you're still going to be afraid of your mom because she's your mom. Yeah, you know, definitely. Let's face it. Definitely, uh, not just that. I mean, uh, the whole. Uh, I, I still can't believe you call it John. I call it Jean. Uh, the f- our lovable He's French, frog baby. dog. Come on, uh, Jean. Hey Jean. <laughs> Jean. <laughs> anyway, like a frog guy, uh, definitely is. Uh, a comedian definitely is there. We have Stan. Uh, we have uh, Urshan. Bo from Breath of Fire and, 2 was very uh, funny. Blue was, was very funny in, in the original Breath of Fire, as was Gobi. She was also very uh, good like in, in the 2, especially... She was really funny in 4, yeah. yeah. In 3 as well. And, and she, she, had a few good, yeah, she had a few good moments in 3, but I think she was more directly you know humorous in 4, but... Uh, definitely has some funny moments in three. Um, so so it's more natural. It doesn't feel like a character standing out of the way. Even though uh, I think one of the moments that makes me like recall something being very unique is like if uh, you go to Final Fantasy VI and you have those two characters respond to um, what's her name, Terra. Uh, doing magic, so they're completely break off characters and start to move around like uh, the battle section instead of like standing still, like they're going all around, being excited about her using magic. Uh, that's kind of cool, but it still feels forced. Doesn't feel natural. Um, I feel like my biggest example yeah. of the Final Fantasy brand of humor is Gilgamesh, who is held up as you know probably the the kind of fan favorite comedy character of the series. And I think that he's funny, but to me, he's more like a, a Deadpool character. He's, he, uh, he exists solely for, you know, the, the, the punchline. Right. And he's, he's a character that, that sort of just is there to deliver one liners and appear unexpectedly and be very zany and almost like bizarro esque. 
uh, almost sort of you know breaking the fourth wall or whatever. And it's it's amusing, but to my taste, it, it gets sort of old and it can't compete with characters like Gobi and Jean and even even the lesser characters. You know, like I said, that aren't directly humorous, like like you know Deus and her funny moments. Uh, who, who, what is name? You know, as you said, uh, are just sort of naturally. What is name? You know, Khan, uh, the guy. Khan yeah, in four, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, he, he's he's he, you know, and he's somewhat similar to to Gilgamesh, but he's he's not as over the top, uh, you know, or not, certainly not as as zany. Uh, he's you know, granted, he fits into kind of a a, a trope. He's a cliche. He's this kind of you know super macho man or whatever, but so genuinely funny. You know, just the, the way that that he 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 can't. He just can't give up, you know. He can't stop. He's he's on this quest, and and no matter how many times you knock him down, he keeps coming back. And kind of like Beaver uh, and Sunder, when you think about it. Right, right. Uh, you know, and I think it's unfair and unfortunate that more JRPG fans, you know, aren't aware of th- these great, you know, comedic characters in Breath of Fire because I think they easily stand up to the ones in Final Fantasy and surpass them uh, in my mind. But uh, I think it's about time that we get to some of the audience questions. We're going to do fishing for questions. Uh, This is our way of talking to the fans and and getting the community involved. So uh, let's go straight to uh, a a few of these questions. uh, Let's start by saying that we ask all of you to participate and send us uh, um, things that you want us to discuss or uh, things that you ask us and want us to uh, to have our opinion so first of all we really want to thank uh, each and every one that like took the time to respond to us we do hope that we will get more uh feedback from you and more responses in the future because we we've, we're looking forward to it like whenever we start to uh develop the idea for podcast we definitely take everything that you wrote and every comment you said into uh consideration so big thumbs up for our great community uh, and we look for look forward to use some more feedbacks and ideas and questions for our future podcasts. Yes, because this is first and foremost a podcast for the fans. Uh, the, the Breath of Fire community is so amazing and so cohesive, and it's remained strong through so many years of, of you know inactivity of the series, and it's a really remarkable thing. So please keep the questions coming and 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 know that we truly appreciate you for reaching out to us and letting you know and letting us know what you think. So the first question comes from Breath of Fire and Knuckles on the Breath of Fire Discord who asks which character connected with you the most? So what do you think about that, Livnot? Which character connected with me? Well, it got to be Nina. I mean, that's my name handle too. Um, I But which I, one? I I definitely responded well to the first and the second one uh i think the first is kind of a little bit more like me because she's a little bit more cheerful and outgoing um i did like the fact that she uh just doing thing sometimes without thinking ahead um i definitely do feel a lot like sometimes the second Nina. she's very shy and humble and majestic uh but at the same time she's very fierce and uh, doesn't afraid uh, to do things uh, to protect our friend, but sometimes she can. Uh, she has no trouble uh, sacrificing herself in the process. Um, I really love the way the those characters were written. Uh, very beautiful characters. Um, I've got no doubt about mine. Uh, it's definitely Rand from Breath of Fire Two. Uh, I 
I love the way he was introduced, uh, you know, as this kind of a, a simple, relatively uh, amoral character to begin with. He's he's not he's not some kind of a do-gooder. He's just he's just you know at the bar and and uh, you have to meet him at night and he's just kind of doing his thing. But he slowly grows into a more sympathetic character because although he appears like a big muscle-bound lout, he's uh, he's a, a mama's boy at heart and uh, he's trying to find his way in the world and. I just really relate to him as this, the kind of a strong, silent type who's trying to find his way in the world uh, in his own simple way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there are others that are up there. I, I do, I, I, like, I, as far as characters that I love, like, I, I love Jean, and I, I relate to him as, as a goofball. Uh, you know, I, I relate to a number of the characters, but I think Rand is certainly the, the one that I, I find myself closest to. Um, so everyone from the Breath of Fire Discord said when asked about the most compelling feature of Breath of Fire, probably it's atmosphere. Most of the characters are not human, and the protagonist can transform into a dragon. And, I, you know, I, I think that hits the nail on the head for, for, you know, a large part of the appeal of Breath of Fire. The, the, uh, I think the atmosphere is underrated. The music, for one thing, is very underrated. Uh, I, I love the soundtrack for, for all of the games. Uh, I'm more partial to so a few of them. <laughs> Goldfly, <coughs> yeah. Aside from what now? <laughs> from Goldfly. <laughs> no, the fly pudding is is the greatest track in RPG history. And yeah, but not when I'll you need to like listen to it, like the entire like segment. My God, baby, it was taken directly from you know Mozart. Okay, it, it's 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 high classical music. It, yeah, it, it's, yeah. That, it's high culture. I, I, not disrespect to culture or anything, but. Like if I if I be forced like to listen to something for over an hour, I I would hate it. I I guess that's one of the reason I I never put my favorite song as an alarm song or as a <coughs> ringtone music because I'm really afraid to to grow into hate those type of music. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that, but you know I still love the song. But uh, yeah, the uh the whole. You know, non-human characters. Uh, I agree with that. Um, as we've talked about before, um, I think that's a huge part of its appeal. And you know, Ryu being able to transform into a dragon, like it, it's, it would have been one thing if there had been just a dragon kind of lumbering around with you in the party, like a, a pet dragon or something. But or just a you know a full-fledged dragon guy, uh, or, or just a full-fledged dragon. But uh, having this kind of a hybrid who transforms is, is, I think, kind of a unique feature. And it's it's very well done in 3 and 4 with the fusion system, too, I think. They did it uh, very well, like in uh, 3, for example, because it let you give the mindset of being a very powerful creature. Uh, I think there's a lot of games where you have NPCs that are dragon or, you know, um, part of it. But you definitely never, not in many games, you play as the dragon. Um, so that's very nicely done. Um, definitely, I agree with you on the music aspect. The, the game has, all the games have phenomenal soundtrack. I, I can listen to them for hours. Um, I, I definitely also love uh, the general um, setting of being, uh, of not being completely dramatic but still very emotional at the same time because uh, the games always deal with a lot of sad topic and a lot of a lot of stuff 
a lot of story, a lot of uh, uh, mini quests actually don't have a lot of... Uh, they don't always lose the ends. And a lot of stuff remain for question and interpretation. And for example, what what happened to Ryu? Uh, what happened to a lot of characters, uh, especially with uh, the bad endings? Um, we don't have a true uh, ending for each and every one of them. But at the same time, we feel like that the main story is resolved. So those type of games always make you to still think and have like the process be with you. Again, it's it's a very Capcom thing. They really love doing that. But it just works with Breath of Fire as an RPG. I agree, I agree. So in another one from everyone, we have... So I like how the characters are not human. Ryu is a dragon. Nina can become a bird. Bo is a wolf man. Gobi is a fish man. Karin appears human, but apparently not because he can fuse. Ox is, well, an ox man. Deus is a snake woman. And Mogu is a mole man. And uh, again, yeah, you know, I, I'm, uh, I, think, I think most fans of the series feel the whole anthropomorphic thing. Maybe it appeals to the uh, Saturday morning cartoon fan in all of us. Uh, I think the sad truth is that Disney and other animators may have inadvertently or otherwise turned us all into furries on some level. Uh, <laughs> we may all have been corrupted, you know, as, as youth, uh, you know. Uh, certainly in in America, I, I'm assuming in the rest of the world, because leave not, I think you were corrupted as well. And uh, yeah, no, but you know, in all seriousness, uh, and, and it's not just that the characters are, are not fully human, but, but the, the, the sheer variety of the characters, right? As you pointed out, you have a bird and a wolf and a, a fish and, you know, all of these things. And uh, some of which are very unique, you know, in gaming. You don't see too many ox characters or, or mole characters. Uh, at least as main characters in, in JRPGs. So it is kind of cool. Uh, so Kimiake says, I really dig the setting, characters, and how they interact. And uh, yeah, I, I, I we've talked about how kind of uh, full and lush the setting is and how well-developed the the mythology and, and the general world are and uh, how the games kind of interconnect. And uh, I agree that the, the characters are a huge strength. And with the interaction thing, it, it kind of, it reminds me of uh, Township and that very unique way of showing character interaction where you're not forced to hear the inner character dialogue, but you can go in and seek it out if you so choose. Uh, that uh, actually uh, goes uh, both way about uh, if you go to Breath of Fire 3 and 4, this happens in their uh, camp scene, which yes. you could completely miss out. Uh, I just think the township had it a little bit cooler, um, mostly because they have uh, dialogues about uh, public dialogue if they're in the party, and a town in the room kind of dialogues where like they will say more things or completely different things. Um, that's a very cool way, interesting way to make it works like having the characters be real. Like I know that a lot of people would have it. Uh, have trouble um, saying what's on their mind in public uh, or sometimes they want their space to whisper to you some stuff so so they did it in a very interesting way 
the only problem I had with this was uh, that uh, it just worked better in, 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 in the first game and in later games because you, you didn't had to level each and every one of them separately. You didn't need to go all the way back to town or all the way to some kind of a um, dragon statuette to change the party member. Uh, it just worked better when all of them were there and everyone and the dialogue of everyone could be. But um, it did allow replayability because uh, each character responds uh, differently and say different dialogues in each and every scene. So you definitely want to take them uh, to play the game a few times to have different uh, players and outcome, especially in the final scene with that Evan. Um, oh, and that's so beautiful, the yeah. way that all of their kind of fates and, and their yeah. motivations are discussed in such exactly. cool terms. Uh, and that's a good point. I think that that's a huge factor in the replayability for the game. Uh, from at TF Outer Space on Twitter, we have... Played through two way back when, rented it and got to beat it when I rented it and got same copy again. Great story, themes, illusions, and the fight animations were badass. Total agreement there. Not to mention a sense of humor and replayability with town system. And and that's a very good point. Uh, I think township is very unique and we are very much going to discuss it in greater depth in our Breath of Fire 2 episode, which is upcoming can, can, very, can very soon. Can we pause a moment and talk about the fact that uh, Breath of Fire 2 just nailed it with the animation? I mean, at least for the girls. Like, you have, yeah, uh, I totally you have agree. this uh, blow, uh, having our tail flipped, and uh, Nina with her wings and Cat with her ears and, 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 and tail, and uh, how, like, Nina showing off the skin, and cats have her boobs, like, swaying all over, and it's just so beautiful, and uh, and and I I love that. Um. You're getting me excited there. <laughs> it's rude though. Uh, they just nail it. No, they really are done well, and uh, you know, cat, uh, you know, feels like a like a, a you know a living thing when you watch her with with the animations. She, you know, she looks real. Uh, she looks very believable, and uh, Nina is very well done. Uh, I, I fully agree, and and you know Jean uh, is very you know sprightly and and, and full of. of I, I love you know, the battle uh, system with spare, um, uh, with how like his magic completely affect the world, or like Nina magic can just you know freeze uh, the water if you are underwater. It's just amazing. Like the those small attention to details. Oh, I do love that, and I, I love that that yeah. spark called on on nature, and it depended on your environment. It it made it made the world around you feel more real than yeah. in they, other they, JRPGs. They just did a lot of things that uh, they, without a doubt, my mind couldn't like uh, bring back. Aside maybe Breath of Fire Five, where like uh, the whole um, battle scene is about how you interact with it before the battle and after the battle. So whatever happened, like, kind of affected. I, I always feel like the Breath of Fire 5 was, uh, was a spiritual continuation of, uh, of 2. But we'll get to it at some point. Uh, okay. Right. The, the, the background stuff and the, the, the fight animations get to me at this idea that when, when developing the, the, the graphics for a game, in the graphical design for a game, it's not so much about simply making it pretty for pretty's sake. It's about bringing the world to life and making it feel more real. Because, you know, we've got nearly photorealistic games now that to me feel 
somewhat automated that don't draw me in or immerse me. Whereas Breath of Fire 2 had these simple 16-bit sprites in this kind of a simple anime style. And exactly. it, it paid attention to the details and it, it made the characters feel like they were living. Exactly. And it made it's the environments human, feel I mean. like they were alive. And and like we were actually occupying these environments. It, it, you know, it, just just having the the foresight to make the 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 backgrounds you know match the the actual environments that 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 we're in at, at whatever point in the story was a huge design choice that to me really made it stand apart from especially final fantasy and even things like chrono trigger where you know you the battles take place more or less sort of on the the overworld uh the 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 overworld didn't seem to play as much of a factor in the battles as it did in Breath of Fire 2 especially and i i thought that yeah, was a, I mean, a tremendous Fire design 3, decision uh, you don't have the whole pausing and get into the scene and the music stuff. No, they, they just pause where they are and took off the weapons. Like, completely getting to the point, not making, like, the battle feel forced or annoying. Um, they also put a lot of attention to uh, stuff that character can do outside of battle, like uh, if Nina can call the great bird or Bo can hunt. Uh, and so on. Uh, so they did it very well. I agree. Uh, so uh, from at Lege or or, or Lege, I'm, I'm, forgive me, twelve on Twitter, it's one of the best series that is so underappreciated and, and deserves a ton more attention. From the amazing storytelling to the unique battle systems, diverse environments, and beautiful music, Breath of Fire is amongst the best RPGs ever. Hashtag Bring Back Breath of Fire. And uh, of course, love this one. Uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, it's it's criminally underappreciated, exactly. and it does deserve more attention. Uh, yeah, and as we were just discussing, the, the the environments are a huge factor. The attention to detail, the music is very underrated. Uh, I'm a particular fan of the soundtracks from from two, three, and four, but I love one and, and five as well. Uh, and I, you know, again, couldn't agree more. Hashtag bring back breath of fire. Hashtag we desire breath of fire. You know, put them out there. Uh, let's 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 really try to get Capcom to bring the series back because I don't think that the series is done. I think that it has I more think, life. In I it. think Capcom knows there's more life to it, but at the end of the day, is it's not enough. Um, we need to show that we need this series to grow. That we need Capcom to bring it back. Uh, that it's worth to put effort and a lot of attention to the series. And I'm sure we will get to it by by any means, especially when we have so many people that are still active and willing to show support for this game. Um, people call it a dead series, but let's face it, it, it's not a dead series. A series is only dead when the fandom dies and the Breath of Fire community is very much alive and well. Just Just go and search Twitter and you don't even have to look for the hashtag. Just search for Breath of Fire and look at the amazing artwork. Look at look at t-shirt designs. Look at the the Discord. Just look at the community that, that still exists for a series that it has been on life support at best for, for over 10 years at least. And hasn't had a, a main game in, in well over 10 years. And, you know, you'll see a pretty amazing fandom that, that is very dedicated and very passionate. And I think that... that it's very possible to tap into that and at least i think you know even for a digital only game maybe just just something a, a remake you know g- give us something to to you know subsist on for a while uh you know just to to uh you know 
throw something to the th- these fans that are obviously so so willing to to continue yeah. their support of the series because i don't think there's much enough um i don't think there's enough um series that has this much of fandom that willing to support it even though uh the series is not very uh, maintained um all in all i think this was a great start for a series of podcasts don't you agree Jeffrey? yeah i've had a lot of fun and uh, i hope that that you've all enjoyed it i uh, hope it's been a good listen uh we're gonna be back hopefully sometime soon with our next episode which is going to be about breath of fire 2 we had originally wanted to start with the first game get into what exactly was the beginning of the series but uh because breath of fire 2 was recently ported to switch which we're very excited about i want to talk more about we're going to go ahead and tackle Breath of Fire 2 because, first of all, it's it's our favorite game. Uh, Livnat and I are, are agreed on that. And uh, it was my introduction to the series. To me, it will always represent the best of Breath of Fire. And we're very excited that a new generation of fans is going to be able to have access to this great underrated gem of a game. Yeah, uh, we definitely have a lot to talk about this game. Um, I'm not saying we're going to completely uh, forget Breath of Fire 1. I mean, one of the reasons we wanted to bring this forward was because we felt like Breath of Fire 1 needed more love. But we will get to it at some uh, point in the future because we definitely have a lot to add to it. Um, We will get to Breath of Fire 1 and every other game in the series because uh, this podcast is intended to be really and truly... Uh, a love letter to Breath of Fire and the dedicated Breath of Fire fandom. We don't want to leave anything out. We know that there are some fans who are not particularly fond of the first game, the second game, even the third and fourth games, and certainly for of Dragon Quarter. But we actually love them all. We're, we're unique in that uh, we, we played and enjoyed all of them to varying degrees and we're going to give them all a good look and, and hopefully show them the love that they deserve and uh, go into depth about what makes them work, maybe some of the things that didn't work, and maybe what Capcom can do going forward to learn from some of their mistakes and make a stronger series, hopefully, you know, in the future. So, um, uh, on th- that this note... Is, uh, this is where you guys are coming to play. Um, this was a start. Uh, we definitely need more ideas and comments and... Uh, opinions and a lot of love from you because uh, your ideas give us more ideas for stuff to talk about and we sure have a lot to talk about regarding Breath of Fire. We do. So on that note, uh, you know, I hope you look forward to the next episode. I hope that you will check us out on Twitter and Facebook and wherever else Dragon Song can be found. uh, Stitcher, of course, and SoundCloud and all the good places, the usual places that you, you hopefully know or will come to know. And uh, again, we hope you enjoyed. We thank you very much for, for checking us out and listening. And we hope you'll continue to be a part of the Dragon Song family, the brood, as it were. And on that note, we will hope that you're doing well. And we'll catch you later. This is, uh, this is Live and Lit. And we will catch you guys later. 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 Mm-hmm.